You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Amen. Remain standing with me in reverence and awe of the God who we've just been singing to. Father, we pray this morning that you would truly be enough for us, for every heart in this room, that you would be enough, God. As we worship you, that we set our eyes on Jesus, that it wouldn't be about the tunes or the melodies or the songs that we're singing, but it would truly be about you this morning, that out of the overflow of our heart would these these, uh, sounds of worship rise to you today, God. May that be our reality today. Father, we pray today that your word would be enough for us. As we come and open up your Bible now and, and study what you've given us, Father, I pray that we wouldn't be here to get this supernatural new revelation, that just your, your word, your written word would be enough for our souls, that we'd be eager and, and open to hearing from you and, and, and hearing your voice speak into our lives once again today. Father, we gather here today because we love you, because You've rescued us because you're working in us, because you have a mission to do through us, and all we want is to encounter you, the living God, today. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, through your word and your spirit and your word alone, God, may you do just that. May you help every person here see Jesus Christ clearly and your call upon our lives. And together we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to go ahead and grab a seat this morning and turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where we are. We're going to continue on with our uh, courageous series that we started way back in September and uh, preached through the first uh, chapter of 2 Timothy and then for un- by unforeseen circumstances had to put it off until now, but we want to finish this. Uh, we want to live courageously for Jesus Christ uh, today. And so let's uh, go to 2 Timothy. If you don't have a Bible, uh, please get your hand up. One of our ushers will be more than happy to uh, give you a copy of God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. We're going again, bite-sized chunks, verse by verse. We're digging deep again uh, this morning, and so uh, we're praying that God will speak to us and move us uh, from even last week into the rest of the year. Wasn't it great last week, Easter? Wasn't it amazing to come and worship the Lord together and to celebrate? I don't know about you, but it stirred me up anew just to know Jesus and to be basking in the reality that we have new life in him. And yet, as great as last week was, we know this, and I hope you know this. Let me clarify if you don't. We know this, that, that being a Christian is so much more than a few holiday celebrations of the religious nature each year. Amen? Amen? As great as those times are, anyone can celebrate, but very few, it seems, can walk courageously every day after that, standing firm in truth for the glory of Jesus' name. And so our goal as Christians is not to get in these places where we're all these little spiritual hypes, and this is the whole totality of our faith, it's these hypes, these hype moments, those are great, those are meaningful, but what it really is is to live every day courageously for Jesus Christ. And if... You've been living for your faith lately, you know that that is a difficult task, amen? 
Easy to celebrate, hard to live courageously. Why is that? Because 1 John 5.19 tells us that although we are of the Lord and we belong to him, the whole world, the whole world around us lies in the power of the evil one. And so we walk out of here celebrating last week into a world that is diabolically opposed to Jesus Christ diabolically opposed to God and his ways and his children, and you start living for Jesus, truly living it out, not just superficially, but truly living it out, you're going to face opposition. The enemy's going to have a, a target on your back, and it is going to be, get this opposite of prosperity gospel. It's not going to be nice and easy. It's going to be difficult. And the call on Christians is to live courageously. And we remind it again in the book of Timothy that is, it, is a, it is a high calling to be a Christian, yet it is a tough calling. Already we've studied that to be a Christian means we are going to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And being a Christian, as we've learned already through the first chapter, you can go back and listen to those sermons that are online, and they'll be online with the sermon series graphic when, you, when, this, one come, when this one comes up this afternoon. Uh, but we've learned that it's a, it's a hard calling, and it's one that Jesus empowers us to by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's not like a sprint, it's like an endurance race. We've heard that analogy before. Being a Christian is not a sprint, it's an endurance race. My wife teaches piano for a family that the father runs 100-mile ultra-marathons. Did you hear that? 100, I didn't say it wrong, 100-mile ultra-marathons. It's 160 kilometers. I don't even like driving 160 kilometers. Can you imagine how much shape you have to be into, how good a shape you have to be in to run 100 uh, miles? It's a, a good time is 24 hours. And they run through all kinds of terrain and all kinds of weather, as you can imagine. And they just, they run. His training consists of, what are you doing today, honey? I'm going for a run. Uh, when are you going to be, 6 a.m. Saturday. When are you going to be back? Oh, around 6. That doesn't sound like a fun Saturday to me. But even more than being in physical shape, you have to be in mental shape. And so grueling is this race that the last, I think it's the last 50 kilometers, so you're allowed a coach that, that can actually walk you through, like step, watch out for it, because it's so grueling physically and mentally. And, and that's a really good picture of what the Christian life is, is that is, it's, it's, it's an endurance race, but not like one you and I have ever run. Anyone can go for a walk around the block. Anyone can do a little sprint, but very few can run a race of this magnitude. This is what the Christian life is, and, and we need each other. We need to be physically and spiritually in shape. And so the call that God puts upon our lives is to run this race with this word. This is the key word for today, with endurance. To run this race with endurance, and even if you think of the ultra marathon, it's not just winning the race that's remarkable. It's actually finishing the race that's remarkable. Who cares who wins? Like, some of these guys finish the race. This is what God's call upon us is. And this is the message, really, of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. Let me read it for you. And we're just going to uh, unpack for us how we can live this Christian life with endurance. Look what it says here in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am Here's the word, suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but get this, the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Here's the word again. If we endure 
We will also reign with him. If we deny him, he, will, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Notice in this little text, there's a lot in here. That's where we're just going to go with a few verses this morning. Notice in this little text, the word endure twice. Verse 10. Why don't you circle that word? Verse 10, endure. Verse 12, endure. Where do I get my theme from? I get my theme every week from the same place, the text. This word endure is, uh, in the Greek, it's called uh, hupomene. Hupomene, steadfastness, constancy, endurance. In fact, when I came back to work in January, I wrote that word on my whiteboard, hupomene, H-U-P-O-M-E-N-E. So every morning when I get in my desk, it's this. It's hupomene, endurance, steadfastness. I find it kind of ironic that this is the message I was going to preach uh, last uh, anniversary before I went down, and this is the first message I preach back in the series when I come back to the Second Timothy. Isn't that amazing? Think it's by chance? Not by chance. Think there's a lot of endurance in the last seven months? Oh my goodness. Think there's times you feel like throwing in the towel and quitting, wondering if you can go on? Oh my goodness. But guess what? Guess what? Hupomene, endurance, is the key to the Christian life and the key for the Christian church in a world that is opposed to God. In fact, hupomene in the New Testament is, is a characteristic of a man or woman who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith even through the greatest trials and sufferings. Hupomene, to persevere, to never say die, to never say quit. I'm not going to roll over. I'm going to keep getting back up. I'm going to go hard till the very end. I'm all in for Jesus no matter what. Hupomene. I think it's a message we need to hear today in a world that screams at us to elude commitment so endurance isn't necessary. You heard that message from the world? Let's elude commitment so endurance isn't necessary. Or a world that preaches to us the escapism over the endurance. Think about it. And divorce rate today, even in the Christian church, it's not looking good. Why is that? Because the world says if it gets too hard, they're not really meeting your needs. And why don't you just get out and find a new one? Way easier. Friend circles. Well, they're kind of cramping my style now. They used to be good friends. So now it's not. So why don't we just like ditch that group and find another group? Even jobs. Well, my jobs is not really fitting my mojo anymore. And, and my boss isn't there for me. And it's not giving me the fulfillment that I need. So resume out. Let's find a new one. Comes to church. It's like, well, the church used to scratch my itch. But it's right back in the corner. And the church just can't seem to get it anymore. So there's got to be another one around the corner that can meet all of my needs. Ministry, serving God. Ah, it was great at first, but now it's starting to sound like sacrifice and commitment. I think I better just take a, take a break. Even Jesus Christ. Well, the call of Jesus makes me uncomfortable, so let me find somebody on the radio or on the internet that can, that can smile my way around the, the hard calling of Jesus Christ and just make me feel at ease with everything and just, just tell me again that he loves me and doesn't want anything from me. You heard those messages lately? Now more than ever, we need a message on endurance, staying faithful to the word of God, staying faithful to the truth of God and the mission of God and the calling of God because if you've lived long enough, you know that every one of those things, your marriage, your friends, uh, your job and your church and your walk with Christ, every one of those things that's meaningful and actually fulfilling and, and, and satisfying is, it, it, it happens through work and commitment and here's the word, what is it? Roger's got it, what is it? <laughs> 
endurance. Jesus calls us to endure. Uh, Alistair Begg says this, endurance is a key indicator of spiritual fitness. But I'm so fired up for now. Good for you. Endurance is a key indicator of spiritual fitness. In fact, here's someone who says, here's a better quote for you. Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 22. He sent out his disciples and said this, only those who endure till the end get the prize. Who cares if you start the race? Because you have a good leg of the race, only those who endure till the end get the prize. And so this passage here in 2 Timothy is packed full of, of helpful, helpful shots of adrenaline for our endurance journey. How do we endure? How do we endure? I'm sure you, like me, have felt like giving up many times in the past six, seven months. How do we endure? How do we endure? It says it right here. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. You know how I like to just go slow through these and get the full depth of them? I think we can just skip by that sentence right there and just move on, but we can't skip by that sentence. This is of prominence and preeminence in our hearts. Remember Jesus Christ. Here's here's the first thing Paul wants to tell us, to live lives of endurance, uh, to be in it for the long haul. We have to remember Jesus Christ. In other words, let me put it in in different terminology for you. We have to rivet our attention on Jesus. Lock eyes with Jesus. Let our gaze be upon Jesus. And everything else be tertiary in our lives. Remember Jesus is not like a one-time command here. Remember Jesus. Oh yeah, I remember him. This is, a, this is a, an active verb. It's a keep on remembering Jesus Christ. Keep on remembering Jesus Christ. When you wake up in the morning, remember Jesus Christ. As you're going throughout your day, somehow put little, little reminders on your rearview mirror or on your phone or wherever you look. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. What do you... God's calling us to here is to remember Jesus in the sense of make Jesus preeminent in our lives, first in our thoughts, highest in our priorities, primary, the primary object of our affection and our most intentional energy. You probably don't remember, but I want to remind you of some of the imperatives we've already studied in 2 Timothy. For those of you who think that there's no imperatives in the Bible, there's tons of imperatives in the Bible for us as believers. 2 Timothy has many imperatives. Be strong. It's not like, hey, maybe you should be. It's be strong. And trust. Consider. Here's another one. Remember. Remember Jesus Christ. I know what my life's so bit. Remember Jesus Christ. But it's so, remember Jesus Christ. Remember our moms when they send us out for the day when we were kids? What do they say? Like, remember your manners. Well, even more important than moms saying, remember your manners, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Not, not just as in a token nod or the go to guy in times of trouble, but be constantly mindful of Jesus Christ, what he has done and what he promises to do. Remember Jesus Christ. How do you remember Jesus Christ? He goes on here. Remember Jesus Christ. Not the world's definition of Jesus, just a good guy, but the true Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus we celebrated last weekend, risen from the dead. Remembering Jesus Christ involves these two things. It's really a two-part summary of the gospel. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Number one, trust that Jesus is alive. How do you remember Jesus? Trust that he's alive. It seems so basic to the Christian faith. You're like, why are you telling me this now, Pastor? Because how many of us live our lives like Jesus is actually dead instead of alive? Remember Jesus Christ. Trust he's alive. You know the Newsboy song, you know, God's not dead, he is surely... It doesn't even sound the same to you, I'm sure. 
I can hear it in my head. Why do I do that to myself in sermons? It just sort of comes out. God's not dead. He's surely alive, living on the inside. Is that starting to ring a bell now? Like, oh, that's the song you're trying to sing. Now you get it? We said it last week. I may as well say it again this week because it's not just for Easter. Paul says this is, this is of first importance or primary importance in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins. Yes, check mark, was buried, amen, but yet was raised on the third day. Why is this of first importance? Because this is the eternal game changer. This is our victory. I said it to you last week. I want to remind you again. Jesus didn't just save us from our sin. He saved us to a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. He, by the power of his resurrection, gives us life and love and, get this, leverage in our Christian faith. He gives us all the power we need. A living Christ is a difference maker as we encounter hard times in our marriages and in our friendships and in our jobs and in our churches and in our ministry. And in our relationship with Jesus Christ, they're going to come. But how do we get through those things? By the power of a resurrected Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that Jesus, that God gives us through Jesus the same power that he used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow. Endurance. How am I going to endure? I can't do it, Pastor. Easy for you to say to endure. How am I gonna, you're not going to do it through my words, for sure. You're not going to do it through your strength. You're going to do it through the resurrected Jesus strength that lives within you. The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead abides in us. So no more do we have the I can'ts in our vocabulary. You know what we have? Jesus can. Jesus can. Remember Jesus resurrected from the dead. Easter keeps going, brothers and sisters, not just a one Sunday celebration. He's risen from the dead again today. He's alive today. Get this, the offspring of David. How do I endure? Trust Jesus, I'll rivet my eyes on Jesus, trust he's alive and affirm Jesus is king. From the offspring of David. This is a, a loaded sentence here. You think offspring of David, okay, so he comes from David. This is, this is a loaded sentence here theologically. This isn't just a, like, oh, by the way, like, in the line, you get to David. Yeah, for sure, that's part of it, showing Jesus' humanity, showing that Jesus, although he is God, was just like one of us and understands every one of our trials and every one of our sufferings and every one of our hardships. Jesus' full humanity means that he understands us perfectly. But it also means from the line of David, he comes from David's lineage, the royal lineage. He's the promised Messiah. He's also king. He also reigns a supreme. He's also divine. He's a divine savior and sovereign king. This is what line of David means. It also emphasizes that God is going to fulfill all of his promises. Remember, he promises people that you're going to have a Messiah coming from the line of David. It's interesting. You can just skip over some of these sentences in the Bible. You can't. Significant. He's fully man. He's fully God. He is the Messiah. Pretty hard to endure if you forget that Jesus is king. I know I have Jesus, but like, oh, I have, Jesus is king. Not just savior, he's king. Listen to what it says in Colossians 3.11. He is all and is in all. Ephesians 1.22, he's over all. All things have been put underneath his feet. And he is the head of all things, the church. 
Hebrews chapter 1, the Messiah is now seated in glory on his heavenly throne and will one day reign over this world. This is our reality. This is a reality of living in light of the resurrection. We have a Savior, we have a God, we have a King. To give us all that we need to endure. Look what Paul says here next. Writing to Timothy, as you know, his young protege. As preached in my gospel, this isn't Paul's gospel, just for the record. Also, Paul's a different gospel. There's only one gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying, but this is personal to me. This is my gospel, and this is our gospel. Ultimately, if you look at this, if you remember the passage I preached, probably you don't, but look at the passage I preached just before, uh, before uh, the little break uh, that I took um, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 2, the first part of this. Uh, what's the gospel? The gospel is this. It says, talking about soldiers and athletes and farmer, the go- farmers, the gospel is this, is that Jesus is, is the, the, the perfect soldier who fought the perfect fight. Jesus is the perfect athlete who ran the perfect race. He's the perfect farmer who reaped the perfect crop. Jesus is won the victory, and is our victory. This is the gospel. So to endure, we have to remind ourselves constantly of these truths. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. So often what happens when we feel like we want to quit, we ultimately take our eyes off Jesus, don't we? Things get hard. We realize that Jesus hasn't moved. We have. Last summer we went to the... um, Font Hill, whatever, festival days in the middle of the summer with our kids. And um, somehow in the conversation, we got talking to some people we knew. And, and Ruth said, I thought she said she was taking the kids, which I still maintain. She was saying she's taking the kids. <laughs> That's what I heard. And so I'm having a great old time thinking Ruth's with the kids. And so I'm keeping my eye on them. And she's coming back. She's like, where's Nick? I'm like, well, he's with you, clearly. And she's like, no, he's not. And I was like, you're joking. So all the panic stands in. You know where he was? He was on the other side of the whole thing with his eyes locked on his dad. And so I'm running for him, and he, he's kind of like, what are you doing, dad? I'm like, well, where were you, son? He's like, don't worry, dad. I had my eyes locked on you the whole time. Like, I, I, I see you. What a great example for us. How do we endure? We keep our eyes locked on Jesus. Even we get, get, seem to get separated from the pack and go through our own lonely moments. We keep our eyes on Jesus. The good thing about Jesus, he's the perfect father who never takes his eyes off us. And yet somehow through life, even with our eyes on Jesus, we get caught up in the potholes of perseverance. Satan wants to trip us up. You know what Satan's greatest desire for our lives is? To trip us up and cause us not to endure. Let's think about this whole endurance thing. And so what causes us not to endure? How come some people start so strong and don't finish? How come some churches begin with vibrancy and kind of fizzle down to nothing? Here's, here's some things that I think are true in my life and probably true in your life that, that are potholes of perseverance that you can be aware of as the enemy tries to help you to take your eyes off Jesus and stump you up. Here's some energy zappers uh, that cause us to, be, to quit. What about this one? Discouragement. Discouragement. I think what discouragement comes down to is we have false expectations on God and false expectations on others. And, and God doesn't do things the way I want. He th- think he should. And I thought they were going to. And they let me down. And so we get cynical and we put expectations on others that we can't even meet ourselves and we get discouraged. What about this one? Fatigue. 
We're going so hard, we're going so hard, we're so busy, even for the Lord, maybe we forget to have some margin in our lives and some healthy balance for the mind and the body and the soul. Somehow we think that we are Superman and Superwoman because I'm invincible. Forgetting that, man, we're just like everybody else. We need health and balance and rest. What about this one, boredom? I'd be amazed how many times I hear from believers, well, I just got bored, got bored of faith, got bored of church. Somehow we buy into this idea that the Christian life is supposed to be this emotional high all the time and tears flowing and heart pumping. Like, really? That doesn't happen, then I'm bored. I didn't see something new in God's word today. Well, maybe you're not supposed to see something new in God's word today. Maybe you're supposed to just apply the old truth again today in a new way. Amen. People, I say they get bored of their faith. I'm like, really? Are you serving the same glorious God I am? Boredom. What about this one, comfort? The road that God calls me to is just too stinking narrow and difficult. So I'm going to choose me over Jesus. I'm going to take the wide path because it's so much more comfortable. There's no sweat. There's no toil. And next thing you know, they're far away from God. And and how did I get here? Because you chose comfort over Jesus, self-glorification over Christ exaltation. Hupomene. Maybe it's even describing one of you today, but beware of the discouragement, the fatigue, the boredom, and the comfort instead. How do we fight these things? I think we just do what Paul says here. We remember Jesus. We live like Jesus is alive. Are you living like Jesus is alive today? Are you you coming to church expecting to hear from God today? Are you opening up your word in the morning saying, God, teach me, show me your heart, show me your life? Are you expecting God to answer your prayers? Are you expecting God to save the loss that you're praying for? Are you expecting that there is hope even in your darkest trial because Jesus is alive and his power is available? Are you living like Jesus is dead or alive? If you live like Jesus is alive, there's no way you can't endure. Amen? It's living like Jesus is alive, and I think it's also living like Jesus is king. How do we endure? We live like Jesus is king. Even as Christians, I think sometimes we're like, oh, Jesus can't do anything about this one. Like, enemy's got me. Enemy wins. No, he doesn't. Jesus is king. He's still on the throne. That throne can't be toppled. It's not like a tree fort in your backyard that the wind can blow away his throne. His throne's like concrete steel, like covered in all the glorious jewels of the universe. Like his stone will never, his throne will never be toppled. You living like Jesus is king? It's key to endurance. Living out the gospel, just a plain old gospel, remind yourself every day, like the gospel rules, uh, n- not an old gospel, the, 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 the new gospel today, it's new for me today again. The gospel is new for me again. It's not for somebody else, it's new for me. Like I'm saved, amen, I'm saved. And God is for me, not against me. And get this, he's won my victory. It's like a splash of cold water on a long race. He's won my victory. That's point number one. Point number two. Point number one, rivet our eyes on Jesus. Point number two, realize the urgency of my mission. How do we endure? First, we rivet our eyes on Jesus. Secondly, we, we realize the urgency of the mission. I don't know one person who's failed to endure, who doesn't just have their eyes riveted on Jesus, but that has their heart 
anchored to the mission of Jesus. Eyes on Jesus, heart anchored to the mission of Jesus. There's no way that you will fall back and quit. You can't quit. Look what Paul's saying. Remember Jesus, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for, for which I am suffering. When he says suffering, he's not like you and I think of suffering. You know, I had a really bad day. My boss was kind of mean to me today, and I didn't get everything done. I'm suffering today. You better not say that terribly, that your boss is mean. Like he's suffering, we're bound with chains as a criminal. In other words, Paul was in a Roman dungeon. It's not like jail like we think of jail. Well, they got like three square meals and a TV set and a workout system. They didn't have that back then. Here's where, here's where Paul was suffering. Put the next picture up. All right, then don't. It was going to be a Roman dungeon tomb in the bottom of a basement of a Roman jail, there's Paul, all alone, cold, damp, darkness. He's suffering as a criminal. What's a criminal? It's one who does evil. Ranges from really, does really nothing productive for society to one who does heinous crimes. He's suffering, and, and to be a Christian, the world looks at Christianity as a crime. You understand that today, right? The world looks at Christianity as a crime. Everything's okay except to be a Christian. Paul's suffering for being a Christian, yet he says this, like, I might be bound, but you can't bound the earnest desire within me to still preach the gospel. Look what he says next. But the word of God is not bound. I might be bound, but the passion in me is not bound because the word of God is not bound. Paul's saying you can shut me up, but you're never going to shut up or silence God's word. What's part of his mission to get the word out? I think this was fuel for Paul's fire. Like, you might stop me and put me in the dark, but the light will never be in the dark. Knowing that God's word can't be stopped is what continued to consume Paul. Like, what kept him going? He knows that God's word can't be stopped. Isaiah 55, 11, my word will never return void. It's always going to provide for me. And it's always going to do what I set out for it to accomplish, and it's going to succeed. This is fuel for my fire, too. Every time I preach and you guys get up and you walk out, I'm like, amen, because that word is not going to return void. We like visible results, right? But that word is not going to return void. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But one thing stands forever. What is it? Word of God. It's eternal. Paul's saying, I won't quit because God's word will never quit. It'll never quit. Matthew 16, 19, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love this quote, man cannot destroy or stop the Bible. Colette says this, we might as well put our shoulder to the burning wheel of the sun and try to stop it on its flaming course uh, as attempt to stop the circulation of the Bible. Bestseller for the last 2,000 years on the top seller list for 2,000 years and running. And so Paul says, I'm okay with suffering. And can you echo that? I'm okay with suffering. I might be bound in chains, but that's okay because my spirit is not bound because God's word is not bound. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I endure hypomene some things everything for the sake of the elect who are the elect, those who, are, those who already know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by God's grand design, by the work of God, and those who will know God as Jesus as Lord and Savior by God's work that is going to happen, those who already are and those who are going to be called by the Spirit of God, by the work of God. There's only one way to come to know God, it's through God. 
his work, his activity, that they may also obtain the salvation, future salvation, future glory for the believers, knowing Jesus for the unbelievers, in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know what keeps Paul going? You know what ought to keep us going? The urgency of our mission. The urgency of our mission. You know what sidetracks so many people from the faith? They lose sight of mission. They start living the Christian life for me, for me, for me, for me, for I, for I, for I. I don't get it. It's not meeting my needs. I don't Those people generally don't endure. You know people who really endure? People like Paul who says, it's okay, give it, bring it on, do it to me, do it to me, world, do it to me, enemy, it doesn't matter, you're not gonna stop God's word and you're not gonna stop God from doing what God's gonna do in the lives of people. That keeps me going. I love stories in history that remind us of both of these truths, that God's word will never be stopped, just to kind of add some, maybe a muscle Muscle massage for your endurance run. Let these kind of massage your spiritual muscles for an endurance race. These stories that remind us that God's word can never be stopped. They, and, and, and he's always gonna do something through his, through his word. He's gonna continue to save people until the day he comes back. My favorite story, I've shared with you before, but it's my favorite story. It's not even recorded in the Bible, but it's uh, historically recorded. It's um, the story of John, the only disciple of Jesus to um, not lose his life for the sake of the gospel. He died of old age. Uh, but in uh, the end of his life, he was working at a church in Ephesus in the time of, of, of Domitian in uh, 51 AD. Domitian was the, the Roman emperor who declared that, I am God, is what he declared. And he was just rattled by the fact that Christianity was advancing, so he was going to eradicate all Christians, and he was especially going to start with those closest to Jesus. And so he went after his d- disciple that was close to him, he went after John. And uh, they painted G- the, the Jesus followers in that day as cannibalistic and anti the, the Roman gods. And so the, he dragged John to this Colosseum and, and all the people were for the execution of John. They were chanting and cheering because of the way that they painted Christians. And so uh, to execute him, instead of nailing him to a cross, they put him in a, a, a vat of boiling oil. Now, we know water boils at 212 degrees. Uh, olive oil, which is probably what they use, is 375 degrees is what it boils at. So it is hot. So John, the whole time, thinks, well, I've got to call him a people. Why don't I just start preaching? What a great opportunity. So John is preaching away as they're lowering, lowering him into this oil. And lo and behold, just like Daniel the lion's den, God shut the lion's mouth, the, the oil didn't burn him. And so the lower he got, they're expecting screams and shrieks and shrills. His preaching got louder and more pronounced, and he's sitting in a vat of boiling oil, and nothing's going on. I often wonder why God didn't put that in the Bible. This is a great story. So Domitian was like, what are we going to do with this guy? So he, he put him on the island of Patmos off of modern-day Turkey. Let's put him there. And then That'll shut him up, and no one will see him in exile. On the island of Patmos, what happened? He had a revelation and wrote the book of Revelation that we're still studying today and people are becoming more close to Christ through it. It's awesome. Isn't that endurance for you? I love this. 250 years later, here's some history for you. 250 years later, uh, another Roman emperor, uh, uh, Diocletian, uh, also set out to annihilate Christianity and outlawed any form of Christianity and and even slaughtered many Christians. And 25 years after he gave that decree, uh, Constantine became the governor of Rome. And the first thing he did was order that 50 copies of God's word be, be uh, uh, presented to the, the people with really the funds of Diocletian. 
Crazy. Even think today, modern-day China, modern-day China, communists, 1949, there's the estimate of a million people in China. Communism took over. We know what China's like today. You see the news, right? Closing churches, imprisoning pastors, and trying to rewrite the scriptures. Today they estimate, they estimate because it's underground, they estimate over 60 million followers of Jesus Christ in modern day China. If that doesn't inspire you to endure, if that doesn't inspire you to keep your eyes on Jesus and take the the mission that he has given us forward, I don't know what will. Here's what gives us endurance for the race knowing that God will never stop working, his word will never become mute, his son's glory will never be diminished, and his spirit will never run out of power. Amen. Endurance. It doesn't matter if I endure. Yes, it does. Doctrine of perseverance of the saints, only those who endure till the end get the prize. For the sake of the elect... Can I remind you again, brothers and sisters, it's not about you. Even church isn't about me. It's not about you. It's about, about this, this, for the sake of the elect, for our brothers and sisters here that, that need us to endure, to help us endure, that we can help them endure, and they can help us endure. It's about the mission of the gospel going forward. Number one reason why people don't endure, I'm convinced, I'm convinced it's not even because of hardships. It's not even because of the unforeseen circumstances. It's because they choose to take their eyes off Jesus and disengage from his mission. It becomes all about me and not about Jesus. Number one reason, the church becomes about coming for what I can get out of it. And then I start thinking I'm more righteous than everybody else. So I start judging everybody else. Well, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And and if, if only the church met this need and... It's not about us. We start nitpicking and comparing and evaluating and life gets hard and sacrifices involved and comfort levels fade and the initial joy of the newness of the Christian life wears off and next thing you know, it's I was excited about Jesus but no longer. I used to be fired up about his mission but that's a few years ago. If it's about you, you're going to get tired and bored and throw in the towel. If it's about Jesus, you'll be energized and renewed to keep getting after it. And you'll get knocked down but get up again. His vision will motivate you and endurance will be a part of of not what you do, but a part of what God is doing in you and God is doing in the church. That's endurance. That's endurance. I want to remind you that the mission is not over yet. I know we've seen God do some great things in seven and a half years, but the moment we lose sight of the mission the moment we're in, is the moment we're in trouble. The mission's not over yet. In fact, Niagara region is growing fast. When we first moved here eight years ago, stats said there was about 400,000 people in this region. Now there's 450,000 people in this region, according to 2016. We're in 2019 now. What's that mean? That means that there's, there's more urgency now than ever before. It's not just coming to church on Sunday and like getting my little spiritual check mark. There's, there's an urgent mission out there. There's a, there's, there's a need for God to work in you for sure. But there's a need to, for God to work through you as well. 450,000 people, if 10% of those are born-again evangelicals living in a, born, in a gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church, that means there's 45,000, which I would highly contend those numbers. I'm just giving you the benefit of the doubt here. 
Even if those numbers were true, there's 405,000 people in this area that need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I know, but I don't feel like serving anymore. And I tried so hard when I first started the Christian life, and then no one responded. And people started ridiculing me, and I just sort of gave up. There's no time to give up. Life or death. Yours and others, this is endurance. We have go teams, but we can't just have go teams in our church. We need go individuals and go families. We need to be a go church. We stop being a go church, guess what? We're probably not going to endure. We're going to become introspective and self-centered, and there's going to be all kinds of fighting going on and disunity because we're all clamoring for my position and my place and my opinions and my agendas and been a part of one of those churches, never want to be part of one of those churches again. (laughs) Endure for what matters most. You endure for what matters to you. You do. What matters most to you and I should be Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Discipleship of the believers, for sure. Seeing lost souls saved and saved souls multiplied and seeing God do something new again today in me and us. I'm praying for that. Are you praying for that with me? I'm not done seeing God at work. You done seeing God at work? No way. Can I lovingly exhort you to endure? Endure, endure, endure. I'm sure many of you have thought in the past month, two months, six months, eight months, year. The word quit. The enemy loves that word, quit. God loves this word, Endure. Endure. Here's the last thing we see in this text. As we get our eyes on Jesus and ask him for more glory stories. How do I endure? How do I truly endure? I rivet my attention on Jesus Christ. I keep on with the mission and I anchor my hope in the eternal. I anchor my hope in the eternal. Look at the last part of this. If we have died with him, we'll also live with him. Eternal. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. Eternal. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That hits the heart. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. If you're going to endure, you're going to anchor your hope in the eternal. You're going to live for today, but ultimately make decisions based on eternity, on tomorrow. This saying, he says, is faithful or trustworthy. This uh, saying is trustworthy means that you've heard it before, but I'm reminding you that this is one of the most trustworthy sayings you can hear. I want to remind you again, this is trustworthy. Uh, Paul's, this is unique to Paul's pastoral epistles. Five times in Timothy and Timothy's and Titus. This is trustworthy. Don't forget this. You can count on this. You can bank on this. Maybe it's part of something, an old hymn that was sung. Can you imagine singing a hymn like this? We sing all the like Jesus is awesome hymns, right? Think of singing songs. If we've died with him, we'll live with him. If we endure, he will reign. If we deny him, he will deny us. Well, that's not super uplifting, Pastor, but that's true. It's more important to sing things that are true than uplifting, right? If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He cannot deny himself, I mean, and disown us. How do we anchor our hearts in the eternal? Here's how we anchor our hearts in the eternal, by living this out. Even the songs we sing, they're not just songs we're supposed to sing for church on Sunday. They're songs we're supposed to be living out every day of the week. If this is an old hymn, here's a great hymn that you can take and you can sing every day this week in your heart and live it out. How do we remain faithful in endurance? 
We commit that I will die today so I can live forever. If we've died with him, we'll also live with him. And this might be banking on the fact that there's going to be martyrs for Christ. That might be what he's saying. He might be saying, well, you know, if you die a martyr's death, you're going to live with him. But, but I think the greater reality of this verse is talking about the daily reminder to deny ourselves and die to ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. We do that, we're going to live forever. John 12, 24 and 25. John chapter 12, 24 and 25. Reminds us of this truth. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves. Contrary to popular opinion, contrary to the message of today, it's not, it's not find yourself exaltation or self-empowerment. It's die to yourself and then you'll find truly life. This is what endurance takes. It takes a daily dying to myself and living to Jesus. No longer I who live, but Jesus who lives in me. Look at verse 23 of John chapter 12. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus pointing to, his in, to Easter is what he's pointing to. But he's also saying this to us in verse 25. Whoever loves his life will lose it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant must be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. It's choosing to die to ourselves every day and live for Jesus. That's how we endure. What am I going to do today when I wake up? I'm going to actually die to myself today and I'm going to live for Jesus today. The hope of the eternal is what keeps us going. Some of you guys, what's keeping you going to the summer? It's your hope of holidays. You're planning and you're preparing your holidays and it's coming only eight weeks away or 10 weeks away. That's keeping you going. For some of you, it's retirement. Man, like five more years and three days and 16 hours and then I'm gonna be, it keeps you going. You know what keeps us going as believers? One day, I'm gonna live with Jesus forever. And so I'm going to die to myself today so that that can be a reality one day. The eternal holiday, the ultimate retirement with Jesus. Live with mindset, you'll, that mindset you'll endure. Die to yourself now, you won't be disappointed later. Look at the next one. Press on so one day I will reign. If we endure, it means that not all of us are going to endure. You know the parable of the seeds, right, Matthew 13. Some it's going to come. The enemy's going to snatch the seed of the gospel away. Some are going to get choked out by the deceitful things of this world and, and the, the hurts of this world. And some it's going to be just sown deep in there. It's going to multiply to 30 times and 60 and 100 fold. If we endure, so there's a clause here, if, see the if, if, if. These aren't guarantees. There's a human response that God wants from us. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. Let me give you another definition of endurance to help you understand endurance a little more clearly, maybe. To endure demands a continuing experience of bravely bearing up under the hardships and afflictions heaped upon the believer because of his relationship to Jesus Christ, as one commentator says. Hear that? Endurance. If we endure, if we continually experience if we continue to understand and experience uh, the reality of bravely bearing up under hardships and afflictions heaped upon the believer, so contrary to the prosperity gospel, 
because of our relationship to Jesus Christ. If we endure, if we endure, we will also reign. If we endure, if we endure. Just like if you endure in your marriage, you'll find the fulfillment of what marriage was meant to be. If you endure in your friendships, you'll find true friends that you really long for in your heart. If you endure in your church and don't bounce to bounce to bounce, you'll find the fullness of what church really is meant to be. If you'll endure in service, you'll find the joy of truly what service is in Jesus. If you'll remain true to Christ and you'll endure in your relationship with Christ, you'll find the sweetness of all that God is in the journey of enduring. Just like any true relationship, any marriage, any friendship, endurance, endurance makes the friendship what it really is, meaningful and deep and the same with our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we endure, we get the fullness out of what a relationship with Jesus Christ really, really is. Few get to experience the full reality of Jesus because so many give up too soon. In the good times and in the hard times, and if we do this, we will reign, it says. We will reign. What does that mean to reign with him? What's it mean? It means simply we will reign with him. He's the king, and we're gonna reign with him. In fact, he tells the disciples he tells the disciples in, in uh, um, Matthew chapter 12, he says, hey, you follow me. When the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you'll also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The disciples are gonna be reigning with Jesus. Somehow we get to reign with Jesus and his disciples. Yes, we're serving the king. We're also gonna reign with the king. And so we don't give up because that's the prize. There's really no prizes on earth. That's the prize. Reign forever. You know my favorite YouTube videos are the ones where the athletes are like so far ahead they start celebrating too soon. You like those ones? And they're like, woohoo, doing a little dance and someone goes flying by them. They're like, ah, or they trip up. I love those. Just like poetic justice, right? I guess I just like seeing cocky people go down. I don't know. Let me encourage you, don't celebrate too soon. Don't celebrate too soon. Endure. Eyes on the prize. Eyes on the mission. Endure and you will reign forever. That's a promise of God. Here's another one. Affirm today so I will not be one day denied. Pretty straightforward, this one. If we deny him the opposite of enduring, he will also deny us. Here's what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10 again when he sent them out. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Don't think it's just because you said a prayer when you were four that this whole thing is sealed for you. Don't think that just because you're born in the right family and you had a little ceremony when you were young means that, that you're of Christ. How do you know if you're of Christ or not? Whether you hold to Christ your whole life. That's how you know. Of course, there's assurances, you know, in your heart that you know Jesus Christ is secure in your faith for sure. But if you're secure in your faith, Jesus is going to give you strength to not deny him. And I'm not talking denial like Peter. Oh, Peter was denied. We just talked about that. Yeah, yeah, Peter's denial for sure. But Peter denied. And what did Peter's denial follow? It followed repentance and restoration and reinstatement. Right? This is talking denial as in well, we all wear chicken suits once in a while in our lives. That's part of the Christian life. You can put the chicken suit on for a little while. It's part of being a human being. 
We're all like Peter in some ways, but it's saying, don't deny me like Judas denied me. Sell out. I'm going to go through the motions, but I really don't care. I'm not going to choose to not abide in Jesus Christ. I'm going to choose to do life my way. That's the total sellout he's talking about. You deny me. You start telling other people that you don't know me. You start telling other people that you have nothing to do with me. You start just living like everybody else, and you deny me. Maybe not your words, but your actions. You start denying me. You deny me. You deny me. You don't hold to the creedal faith for your entire life in words and actions and thought and deed. And you can be assured of this, that you truly don't know me and I will deny you when it comes time. You're like, Jesus, Jesus. What do you say in Matthew chapter 7? I don't know who you are. It's kind of odd to see that one in there. It's a negative, but it's a motivator as well, isn't it? Not that we're trying to earn our faith at all. But it's a reminder that daily I want to acknowledge Jesus and everything that I am. I want to endure in my Christian faith. Last one, know today that God will always be faithful tomorrow. So this is the, this is the grandpappy, the promises here, the call. Verse 13, all these things we've been studying so far in 2 Timothy, we're reminded at the end of this, that this little section, that if we're faithless, guess what? God remains faithful, for he cannot, dis, he cannot deny or disown himself. This is a clutch verse, but I want to encourage you. It doesn't nullify all the others. So many people are like, well, 13 says it really doesn't matter if I deny. It really doesn't matter if I endure. Eh, incorrect. This one doesn't nullify all the others. This one just reminds us that if we do endure, it's about God's faithfulness to us, not our faithfulness to him. One commentator says it this way. Every act of human faithfulness is decorated in the faithfulness of God. In all these things, we have one hope. It's God himself through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're truly saved, you can know this. There's going to be ups and downs in the Christian life. There's going to be moments where you feel like giving up. There's going to be moments where you don't want to endure. But here's what happens. God's spirit, by God's power, carries you through those times. And you will endure because God is faithful. God promised that, and he won't go back on his promises. He won't deny himself. So in the end, what do we stand on? Yes, we want to endure, we want to endure, we want to endure, but we thank you, God, that Jesus Christ endured. Because I can't endure on my own, but that Jesus Christ endured, that I might also endure. And so today I put my hope in you again. Today I make the commitment and the stand. Today I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to endure by the power of Jesus. I'm going to daily deny myself. I'm going to daily take up my cross. I'm going to keep my eyes riveted on Jesus the best way I know how. I'm going to believe that he is alive. I'm going to trust that he's king in all circumstances. I'm going to keep focused on the mission. Proclaiming the gospel, knowing that God's word is never going to stop, hoping to see other people come to know Jesus Christ and believers deepened in their faith. Then I'm going to anchor my hope to the eternal. And in the end, I know that God is going to be faithful over all those things. My strengths, my weaknesses, my failures, my flaws, my victories, my defeats. God's going to be faithful, and I will endure because he endured for me. Hope of the ages, twofold. It's a commitment. If you're here today and you're like, oh, I don't feel like enduring, I've already quit a... It's a commitment, like you got to get up off the mat by God's grace, repent of your sin and turn back to Jesus and let him pick you up off the mat and keep going again. If you're contemplating quitting in anything today that is good enough, God, he's alive. He's king. Don't quit. Don't quit. 
Don't quit. Too much at stake for your life and for others around you in this church and others that don't know Christ yet. Don't quit. If you're going strong today, that these motivate you to, 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 to just keep going. Just to keep going in the goodness and the grace of your God. Courageous. Courageous. Praying that God through the rest of this series will help us be courageous. Courageous people. Courageous families. A courageous church. As the world gets further away from God, that we might draw closer, that God might use us in ways that we could never even comprehend because of his goodness and his grace to us. Let me pray. Father, my prayer is simple today at the end of this sermon. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. Help us, Lord, be strong and courageous not looking to the left or to the right, but enduring everything for the sake of uh, the the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the sake of, of, of your name, for the sake of those around me. Father, help us to not live for me. Oh God, in this self-centered society, help us to not live for me, but to live for you and you alone. And God, give us the grace to endure. I know in my own strength, God, I cannot endure. I know my own power that I cannot endure. I know that the people sitting before me, they cannot endure. Apart from you, Jesus, so help us fix our eyes on Jesus again this morning. To revel in the gospel, to trust in your promises, to keep you on the throne. And to leave here today knowing that victory is not just possible, victory's already been won. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.